All right, good morning. Are you guys glad to be here? Wow, what a great worship. I have to just confess. You know, they say confession is good for the soul. I'm pretty keen on our worship team. I think God's done dumped a blessing on us. Amen. Would you give these folks a round of appreciation? I'm telling you, I've been doing this for 41 years, and I know the, uh, the power and the advantage of a strong worship team, and we have one strong worship team, and we have a great tech team. So I just thank God for these volunteers who give up their time. Uh, I told ladies in first service and second service, it'd be the same. I said, boy, the harmony was beautiful. And I just told Roth, I said, when, you know, Roth on the drums, he's going that boom, 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 that first song, you know. And then Trey picked that wonderful song about Jesus and over our families and all of that. Pretty overwhelmed, pretty grateful. God's good. Let's go home. <laughs> Now, listen, you know, I'm going to do something kind of novel today. We're going to talk about Jesus. Um, really, originally, if you kind of looked at the video, if you kind of watched that every week, you kind of tell eventually where we're going. And today it was really going to be about grace and mercy, which is the last verse in our scripture. And, of course, we didn't make that. We didn't come close. And um, I knew that going on early this morning. I said, okay, this is where we're going to have to stop this. Um, but, I, you know, I told, I told Trey, I said, okay, Trey, it's pretty obvious, no matter how far we get in this, that the, the center point is Jesus. And I said, that's a novel idea. But, but we really want to talk about today about Jesus. You notice the songs. We're focusing on Jesus. And, and again, so, much, so many times, you know, the world is looking at us and going, I don't know. But they rarely find fault with Jesus. Okay? And so today we're going to talk about this wonderful, wonderful Savior named Jesus. And the fact is, the sermon title says it pretty much all, Jesus, he's the one and the only. There's, there's no other man. There's no other man like Jesus because, well, there's no other man like Jesus. You know, a guy, and it had to be a Baptist preacher, back in 1926, wrote something that you're familiar with, but it really is a great introduction for Jesus, the one and only. It starts like this. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant girl. He grew up in another village where he worked as a carpenter for until he was 30 years old. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held office. He never had a family or owned a home. He didn't go to college. He never lived in a big city. In fact, he never traveled more than 200 miles from where he was born. He did none of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 years old when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. And while he was dying, his executioners gambled for his garments, the only property that he owned on earth. And when he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Well, 20 centuries, 20 centuries have come and gone. And today, he is still the central, central figure of the human race. All the armies that have ever marched and all the navies that have ever sailed and all the parliaments that have ever sat, all the kings that have ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of man on this earth as much as that one 
solitary life. And of course, that one solitary life was Jesus Christ. I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing that here we are in 2023 talking about a man who, like we just heard, 20 centuries ago lived. Around at 2,000, maybe a little bit more than 2,000 years. Here we are, a guy we should not know, we should know nothing about him. And yet, in fact, we know more about him than we do of all the Roman emperors put together. And today, a huge chunk of the population of the world, though they may not fully understand or believe totally in Jesus, they connect the name of Jesus and God together. And, of course, another large chunk of that world People put their faith and trust and believe in him that he, in fact, was the son of God. They lived and he died and resurrected um, for us. One solitary life. And we want to look at that one solitary life um, today. Our first teaching point starts out a little bit different. It starts out really with Hebrews 4.14. And that really is our, that's our key scripture today is Hebrews 4.14. But Hebrews 4.14 starts out with the word, therefore. And I've kind of always, we preachers love to tease this, you know. And we love to tease it up and say, well, whenever God's word puts a therefore, we need to stop and say, what, are, what is it therefore? So I did that. I said, well, let me look at verse 13. And I realized how incredible it was. Now, I've read the Bible through several times. And I've read Hebrews probably more than the entire Bible. And so... I was still amazed and surprised at what this verse... It may have been the fact that you know, I used the New Living Translation, which sometimes just puts it in terms that we can understand it. And by the way, I learned a long time ago, you know, if, if you're going to read the Bible, it's important you understand it. So whatever translation works for you, um, that's what you should do. And so here we go. So, so here's what it says. Um, so uh, there is nothing, verse 13, there is nothing that can be hidden from God. I went, oh. And then everything in all creation is exposed and lies open before his eyes. And I went, hmm. And then, and it is to him, the one he's talking about, it is to him that we must all give an account of ourselves. I went, oh. I, I know I've read this before. But when, when I read it, it said, you know, there's nothing. Somebody say Nothing. Yeah, that means nothing. You know, there is nothing that can be hidden from God. Oh, that means that thing that you're hiding from your wife that you think you got away with? No. Or that thing you, you're hiding from your husband, that friend on the side that you thought you're getting away with? Uh, no. And hey, students, guess what? The thing you're hiding from your parents? He ain't hiding from God because it says there is nothing that can be hidden from God. Now, I'll tell you what, there used to be a sign out there, oh, about 10 miles outside of town, going down toward Paducah, and there's that horse campground place, you know, I, mean, I don't know what the name of it is, but for the longest time, they had this big old sign up there, and it said, whoa, whoa, and one time, one time Jennifer was driving up, uh, I think from, from western Kentucky, and we were doing our Bible school, I think, gee, was that right, our Bible school graduation, and we couldn't break away, our phone rings, and says, hey, Dad, I've got a flat tire, you know, and I said, Jennifer, I cannot get away. I am right in the middle of vacation Bible school graduation. When we sent somebody, I don't know who the hero was, but we went somebody. I said, well, where are you? And she said, I'm by the WOA sign. You know, well, the WOA sign is now history, okay, but the memory is not. And when I read that verse, there is nothing that can be hidden from God. I went, whoa, 
Whoa. And, and when I read that verse, and I mean this now, I went, oh, no. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What about that? And then, and then everything. Somebody say everything. See, see first we got a nothing, and now we got everything. Everything in all creation is exposed and lies open. It lies bare uh, before his eyes. Oh, my. What? Huh? You mean I didn't get away with it? You mean God wasn't winking and going, didn't see that one coming? You know? And then, and then and it is to him that we must all give an account of ourselves. So, so the one that sees everything and everything's laid bare before him, he's the one that we got to stand before and give an account. See, we, we Christians don't quite get this part of, of the whole picture. You know, when we receive Jesus Christ, believing that he died on a Roman cross for us and, and, you know, he paid the price for our sins and that if we're willing to turn from our sin and follow him, you know, the penalty of our sin, the death penalty is removed. But what we don't often get is there's still an account, a time of accountability, you know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 10, Paul speaks about a judgment seat of Christ. And he play, lays out there real clear. You know, he says, well, we're going to be judged for all the good and evil that we did. Again, not to determine if we go to heaven or to hell, but what kind of reward we get. So there is going to be a time when we stand before Jesus, okay? Like this says, we must give an account. You know, there's going to be a time of that. And that's a, that's a, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. And have you ever known somebody... That they kind of got stupid, you know, DUI, you know, something crazy, uh, maybe heisting a few thousand dollars from the office, you know, uh, stealing a few dozen pins <laughs> from the office. And, and we do that, and boy, they get caught, you know. And, and so, so your friend, you know, is sharing this with you, and you're going, oh, man, really bad news. Um, you know, I was taking some stuff on the side from the office, and they got caught. And boy, I don't know what I'm going to do. They're saying it's going to be a felony, and, I, and I'm going to end up with like five to ten years in the pen. I don't know what to do. And what do we say? You need a good lawyer. You need a good lawyer. And so guess what? When, when, since there's, there is nothing that can be hidden from God, and everything in all creation is exposed and lies open before his eyes, and it's to him that we must give account, I got news for you. We need a good lawyer. And I just happen to know one. I, it's not Morgan and Morgan. If they took Morgan and Morgan off the air, it would be a great day. A great day. But no, it's not Morgan and Morgan. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why they put the therefore. Because of verse 13, because there's nothing, because there's everything, because to him, because of that, they put the therefore. Because then the author of Hebrews goes into, goes into the idea and thought that we need a lawyer. So in verse number 13, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, verse number 14. Now, of course, the word there, therefore would be there, therefore since, okay? But since we already talked about that, I left it out, there, out of there. So since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, in other words, left here and went to there, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our Confession. Now, this is so good. Since we have a great high priest. Remember I told you we need a good lawyer? We got one. 
We got one. He is the great high priest. Let me explain this to you how this hierarchy worked. So, so there were like rather regular, everyday priests, you know. And when you do something every day, you know, and you, you kind of sin, you know. Well, you go down to the lamb lot or, and get you a lamb. Or maybe you got one at home and you take that lamb down there. Somewhere you get a sacrifice. Maybe a couple doves, you know, depending on how big the sin is. And you go down and you say, hey, Mr. Priest, uh, I sinned. I need to atone for this. And so the normal everyday priest would then you know, offer that sacrifice in atonement for your sin. It was an everyday deal. And you did it every day. I mean, you know, you sin and you make a sacrifice. So we had an everyday priest. But then we had this high priest guy. And high priest guy, which, by the way, is never your friend because he was better than everybody, and he let you know it. You, better, you, you had to walk in trembling fear when the high priest is around. Well, so once a year, okay, the high priest would then go into the Holy of Holies. We talked about this on Easter. Do you remember? They would go in behind this huge curtain. They would go into the, the Holy of Holy places. They used to, this is true, they would tie a rope around his ankle so in case God killed him, they could drag him out. This is serious business, okay? So, so the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, and when he got back there, he did two things. He offered a sacrifice for his own sins, and then he offered a sacrifice for the sins of the nation of Israel, okay? Once a year, only once a year. And then we've got the, not only the priest, not only the high priest, but we've got the great high priest. And as it tells us, That is Jesus Christ. And here's what's so cool. Jesus offered the supreme sacrifice. He didn't have to do it every day. He didn't have to do it once a year. You see, he was the sacrifice. As the Lamb of God, as the Bible calls him, he was willingly sacrificed on a Roman cross. And not not for our daily sin, and not for our just once a year sin, but for all of our sins. Somebody say all of our sin. All of our sin. Let's watch this, watch this, watch this. For all of our sin, for all the people. All the sin, for all the people. And he allowed himself to be nailed to a Roman cross, and he died and he paid the price. He was the ultimate sin sacrifice. But that's, that's cool, but it goes one step further. As he died, he was resurrected on the third day, and he lives today. He's the great high priest. He ain't no longer dead. He meant three days. He got back up and he lives today to act as our great high priest. And guess what he's doing in heaven? He's not playing bingo. He is making intercession for us. He's there. He's there before the father and making intercession and say, saying, Father, this is one of your kids and they messed up. I want you to know that I paid for their for the price for their sin. He's making intercession. He's our intercessory high priest right now. Now, so so we don't have just a priest. We don't have just a high priest. Man, we got the great high priest, the one who paid the price ultimately, one sacrifice for all time. And then he goes on and says this: Who passed through the heavens? Who left here and went there? And it's Jesus, the Son of God. Now, this is so good. You're going to hear this at least twice today. Jesus, the Son of God. See, as Jesus, okay, that is in His humanity. 
He sympathized with us. We won't get to this day. I wish we would have. He sympathizes. You know, the Bible says we have a high priest um, who, who's able to sympathize with us in our weaknesses because he was tempted like we are, yet without sin. So in his Jesus, in his Jesus part, okay, then he, he is our, he's our, identifies with our weakness. However, it doesn't stop there. You know, and then he, and as the son of God, as the son of God, that is his divinity, he's able to to save us. So we have Jesus who's able to identify with us in his humanity. We have the Son of God who's able to save us in his divinity. It's just, it's just amazing. See, there's a couple things about God that's bigger than us. Now, now, let me explain that. You want that. I don't think I want a God who I totally understand. I want a God who's so big, so massive, so high, so wise, so everything. I want to be stumped. Amen? I want to be stumped. I want God to stump me. I, I want God to go, wow. I mean, I'm sorry, my opinion of God would be, wow. I, I, boy, that's bigger than me. It's bigger than me. I want that. I want that. So, so it's the Trinity thing, you know, the Father, Son, Spirit, three, but one, you know. How do you get your arm? You can't. You can't get your arms around. We'll get it in heaven. We can't get your arms around. But it's this way too. See, the Jesus part is Jesus as 100% man. Not 98, not 95, not 50-50, okay? 100% man. And as 100% man, he identifies with our weaknesses. But then we've got the Son of God, who's not part God. He's 100% God. You go, wait, 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 Dwayne. How can you be 100%, 100%? Because it's a God thing. It's a God thing. Okay, so he's 100% God, and because of that, he can save us. So it's amazing, you know, know, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, and here's what he says, let us hold fast to our confession. Let's hold fast to what we believe. Now, now this wasn't, it's always been a big deal, but it's a bigger deal now. Now, back in the good old days, whenever that might be for you, I'm quite old. And so for me, you know, I remember the times when America um, was founded and practiced Judeo-Christian values. You say, well, Dwayne, what is that? That means, generally speaking, the culture kind of went along with the Bible. The culture kind of went along with the Bible, Okay. Well, that's not so now, okay? We're living in a post-Christian America. Um, we, we are living in a country, okay, that, yeah, we still, you know, we still have freedom to worship, but the bottom line is, as a whole, the worldview of our nation is no longer Judeo-Christian. It's anything but, okay? So now, now we, we got to know what we believe and why we believe it. You've got to know why you... It ain't enough, I'm telling you. You go out there to that culture, and they're going to eat your lunch. You go out there and say, well, my preacher's hand. And they're going to say, well, who is your preacher? You know, and you're going to say, well, I believe. And they say, well, that's fine for you, but what about the rest of us? Okay? So, so we've got to know, okay? We've got to know. Now, again, you know, I, I, I shared with someone today even, I said, you know, the bottom line is the basis for my belief in God is the Word of God. Okay? And I happen to believe it's absolute truth. Okay? So, so when I talk to someone, then I, I don't want to say, well, I think and I believe. I don't want to be able to say, well, here's what the Bible says. And agree or disagree, I think that's, that's, what, you know, that's what truth is for me. 
Okay, so it's huge. So we've got to know, we've got to hold fast to our confession. Now, here's the good part. Are you ready for the good part? The good part is, you don't have to worry about Jesus holding on to you. He's got you. You know, you've heard the story, you know, the little boy who's walking down the sidewalk and he's holding on to daddy's finger, you know, and the little kid trips on a crag and because he's holding on to daddy, the finger slips, skint knee, tears, pain. But the wise father would hold on to the boy's hand and that way when the son trips and falls, daddy's got him. Well, friend, I want to tell you something. That you don't have to worry about hanging on to God. Because God is hanging on to you. Okay? However, however, we do need, we do need to hold fast to our confession. Jesus has got us, but we've got to make sure that we've got a hold of what we believe. Now, James McDonald uh, quoted and said, and it's really a, it's a great quote. He said, the Christian way... The Christian way is a life of faith. That's just true. Okay? It's a way, it's a way of faith. Um, you know, Paul wrote and said, we walk by faith and not by sight. You know, we understand that. Um, in the book of Hebrews, again, another place in Hebrews chapter 11, um, the Bible says that, that, you know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Back in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, when it talks about Abraham, Okay, Abraham was a crazy pagan, okay, who chose to believe God, okay, who chose, this pagan chose to believe God, and then the Bible says, you know, and God counted to him as righteousness. Just the fact that he believed. Not that he kept the rules, not that he most of the time got it right, because he didn't. But God said, I'm going to count as righteousness because he chose to believe. We chose to believe. Believe. So, so the Christian way is a, is, is a life of faith. It just is. In order to hold on to the promises of God, in order to hold on to your confession, in order to hold on to what you believe about God, okay, then you've got to believe them, the promises, the confessions, you've got to believe them and live them. So in other words, you, you, the way I see it, you need to get into the Word of God, okay, I wouldn't use Reader's Digest for your confession, okay? Or our daily home, you know, women's home journal, all right? I think you need to get into the Word of God. So, so you've got to believe what the Word of God says. And then secondly, then you've got to live them out. Believe it and live it. Believe it and live it, okay? That's key to holding on to your confession, so, so then I, w- I was chatting with my friend, and, and they said, well, you know, I'm just not sure faith is enough. And I said, that is a good statement. It's a true statement. Because sometimes faith is difficult. Faith is hard. And so that made me add this question to the sermon. What do you do when faith is not enough? What do you do when faith is is not enough. Now, this is going to sound so contradictory, but it's not. The first thing you do when faith isn't enough is you pray. Now, I told you, I told you, I told you last week I'm struggling in my prayer life. And what did I tell you? When you struggle with your prayer life, when you don't feel like praying, what do you do? You pray. You pray. 
Well, that's what you do with this. When, when, when you're really struggling with faith, I'm not sure faith is enough. Let me encourage you to do something crazy, radical, like praying. It's a great story in the Bible. Um, Jesus and Peter and James and John were up on the mountain. Some cool things were going on. It's time to come down the mountain. And they come down the mountain. When they get to the bottom of the mountain, there's this big old crowd. And they're hollering and shouting at one another. There's a little fight going on, you know. So he gets there and Jesus kind of goes, well, what's going on? Well, the sky spoke up who turned out to have a son who was uh, demon-possessed and sick. And so the dad speaks up and says, well, here's the deal, Jesus. I brought my boy to your disciples, okay, and asked them to heal him. Now, the word on the street was Jesus had already sent these boys out and gave them power to heal and cast out demons. So this was not beyond their abilities. So, so anyway, so I asked them to, to heal my son, and guess what? The answer was they couldn't do it. By the way, have you figured out the culture's t- tired of looking at the church and, say, and finding out that we can't do it? Are you tired of the culture looking at the church saying, listen, they ain't no better off than me? Uh-huh. That should shock our world. Well, anyway, and so Jesus said, well, okay, there's more to the story. But Jesus basically said, you know, okay, well, we'll take care of this. And, and the father said, well, here's the deal. I, I, Jesus, I'm going to be real honest with you. Um, if, if you can do anything to help us, now, did you get that word? If you can do anything to help us, please do. I like what Jesus, he had to have a smile on his face. He goes, if I can do anything, if I can do anything, and you know what he said? All things are possible if you believe. All things are possible if you believe. And here's the prayer part. So this dude prays a prayer. The daddy prays a prayer. He says, Jesus, I do believe. Translate, I'm really trying hard to believe. I'm working on believing. I want to believe. Here's the prayer. But Jesus, help my unbelief. Now, what a good prayer to pray. So if you're here today or you're listening on Facebook or on the radio, and you're going, you know what? In these crazy days, I'm wrestling with faith in God. What do I do? You pray. Would you have the courage today to simply pray and say, God, I'm wrestling with you today. I'm a, I believe in you. I'm just not sure what I believe in you. Can I encourage you to pray? Can I encourage you to say, okay, God, I, I, don't, I don't get all of this, okay? So would you help me? Would you help me? So that's what you do. You got anything else, Dwayne? I do, actually. You know what's crazy? You know, when, when, you say, when you say, I don't know if faith is enough for me. Do you realize you live in a world of faith? Do you realize that every day and every way you live in a world of faith? You know, not too long ago, I got on an airplane. And I sat down in my seat and I had total and complete faith in the dude up in the front seat that he knew what he was doing. I put my entire being in life in a human being that knew how to fly an airplane. You know what you call that? Faith. You know what it is this morning when you got in your car and you went out to your car and you put your key in ignition and you said, barring something crazy, I believe my car is going to start today. And you turned the ignition and the motor turned over and it fired up. And guess what you call that? Yeah, that's faith too. 
And you came in today and you saw these pretty blue chairs, all that good cushioning, and you told your little mind, put your bottom right there because boy, it's going to hold you up. And guess what it did? And you know what they call that? That's faith. See, the truth be known, we live in a world of faith. We, every person here, every person here, every person on Facebook, every person listening on the radio, every one of us exercise faith. Now, here's my question. Why do we feel compelled to put faith in God in a different category? Why do we exercise faith in everything, every way, and every day, but when it comes to God, mm, I'm not sure faith is enough. That's not fair. If faith is enough to put your, your life on the line with a pilot or in the passenger seat of a person driving a car, or when you flip on a light switch expecting it to turn on, if that kind of faith is, is practiced, then why can't you practice faith in God? Why does he get put in a different category? I don't, I don't think that's fair. So, so we live, so the answer is, you know, when you say, I'm not sure faith is enough, I dare challenge you to pray. And on that, I challenge you to pray. I, I, well, this is so good. I, I challenge you to apply the same principle in life and God together. Go ahead and challenge yourself. Dare yourself to say, okay, you know what? I have faith in an airplane pilot. I somehow am going to find faith in God. That's what you do. Now, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 23, the author continues. He says, now, let us hold on. There's that hold on. There's that hold on. Let us hold on to what? To the confession, what we believe, to the confession of our hope Without wavering. Why? Because he who promised is faithful. I know the church fails. I know preachers fail. God never does. Be honest. God never does. Oh, you may not understand him. I get that. But God never fails. Jesus never lets you down. Never lets you down. So, so, so. So we need to hold on to our confession because he who promised is faithful, but we need to do it without wavering. You know, James was the half-brother of Jesus. Can you imagine growing up with Jesus as your big brother? That could be challenging, okay? And so James was talking in James chapter 1, verse 6. James was talking about wisdom. If any man lacks wisdom, he should ask of God. And part of that is, and James goes on and says, oh, he, but he shouldn't do it doubting, okay? Here's what James 1, 6 says. When you ask him, God, be sure your faith is in God alone and don't waver. Do not waver. See, faith is fine, but be sure your faith is in the right direction. Listen, 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 listen. Don't put your faith in church. Don't put your faith in religion. Don't put your faith in preachers. In fact, can I be candid with you? Don't put it in other believers. Direct your faith toward God. He's the one who never fails. He's the one that always gets it right. So, so we, we could and we should do that. We should. Now, so let's hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering since he who promised is faithful. Well, let's spend our last three or four or five minutes here talking about this one and only because there's an area that's really, really important. And, of course, that is what we do with Jesus what we do with his sacrifice, what do we do with his resurrection concerning our future and our eternity. Well, in 1 Timothy 2.5, in 1 Timothy 2.5, there's a great verse. It says this, um, For there is one God and one mediator. There's one God and one lawyer. There's one God and one eternity. 
There's one God and one advocate. There's one God and one bridge. There's one God and one way, okay? Now, I felt like I needed to help God out on this one in first service, but then I realized I didn't, okay? But the bottom line is, as you know, in America, we are a polytheistic society, okay? You know, someone's going to shoot me for this. I know they are. You know, you know, we say, in God we trust. We have it on our money, but the question remains, what God is it? Because it's a polytheistic society now. What God? You know, people drive their gods. They live with their gods. They have careers that are gods. Um, sometimes your family's your god. Your hobby's your god. There's lots of gods. So when we're saying God we trust, we've got to make sure it's the right God. So, so I was going to say, since we live in a polytheistic society, perhaps we should say, for there is one true God. But then I realized I didn't need to do that. And you know why? The G's capitalized. If it's a little g, then we'd have to put the one true God. But we don't have to because it's shown to be the one true God by the capital G. So there's one God, one true God, and one mediator. There's one attorney. There's one bridge. There's one advocate, okay, who can reconcile God and humanity. So, so there's, there's one mediator who can bring a holy God to ward and together to an unholy people. Are you getting this? Okay, so there's one advocate who can take, one, one mediator who can reconcile, bring together a God who is holy and a bunch of people who aren't. And again, I want to say it again, not religion, not church, not a giant scale, not keeping the rules, not being good, not being baptized, not giving money. There's one mediator and his name is Jesus Christ. And he can bring, he can bring, he can bring a holy God and unholy people together. And it is, now, remember I told you to hear it twice? Here's the second time. The man, that's the humanity. With humanity, Jesus identifies our weaknesses. Christ Jesus, that's divinity. One who can save us. One can save us. You know, and in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, you know, Peter was preaching his second sermon. More the first sermon, you know, he preached and wow, every, you know, everybody, crowd went nuts, okay? But in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, it says, he said, there is salvation in none other. There's, there's salvation in none other. There's no other name. There's no other name whereby we must be saved. You know, and I know, I, I know, listen, listen, so, so here's the deal. So you tell that to your friends, and they go, see, that's what I don't like about you Christians. You're so narrow-minded. What do you mean there's one name? What about the Buddhists? What about the Hindus? What about the nuns? People just don't believe in none. You know, what about them? Well, listen, yes, I'm, it's narrow-minded. I'm going to tell you the, the answer in a moment. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name in heaven whereby we must be saved. So what's the answer? Well, the answer then is in 1 Timothy 2.6. 1 Timothy 2.6. He gave his life. He gave his life. Now, I like this. You know, see how we're gave? What we want to do is we want to reduce Good Friday to a murder. Jesus was murdered that day. He was not. Then we'll say, well, let's sweeten it some. He was martyred that day. He was not. He was not forced to the cross. He went. 
to the cross. In fact, over in the book of the Gospel of John, I looked up to make sure it said it, and it does. You know, it says there, listen, no one can take my life from me. I lay it down, and I can pick it up. Amen. You, Yeah, amen. Come on. They couldn't kill Jesus if they tried. You know on the cross, you know the story. He's sitting there. It's toward the end. He's sitting there. And finally, when it's the right time, he goes, it is finished. And the Bible says, he yielded up his spirit. He wasn't murdered. He wasn't martyred. He gave his life. Just like Paul said, he gave his life. He gave. Now, listen, listen. Cuddle that to your breast. Cuddle that to your breast. It's one of those confessions. It shows the great love that Jesus had for us. He gave his life to purchase freedom. See, religion is bondage. And church can be bondage. But Jesus is freedom. Jesus is freedom. To purchase freedom for everyone. Now, here's the answer. That's just a little narrow-minded for me. You Christians. Well, it's, it's narrow, but it's broad. And you say, what do you mean? Well, I know Jesus said, you know, that there's a broad gate and a narrow gate. And you need to seek the narrow gate because that's the way. Okay, I I know that. that. But here's the deal. It's narrow because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. It's narrow. It's narrow. Well, Dwayne, what's the broad part? Right there. He gave his life to purchase freedom for white people. Black people, Americans, English speakers, Spanish speakers. No. Who did he die for? Who did he die for? Everyone. Everyone. See, the reason it's broad is, yes, you know, God made the way, and he can do that because he's God. He made the way, but then he said, hey, everyone's invited to the party. I don't care if you're white, green, purple, or yellow. I don't care what language you speak. I don't care if you're rich or poor or what side of the tracks you come from. I don't care if you're a big sinner or if you're a little sinner. You're invited to the party because my, my son Jesus died for everyone. Everyone. Now, church, you need to get that. Don't you start singling people out. Don't you say they're unsavable. Because they are not, and you weren't either. He gave his life to purchase freedom. And this is the message. This is the gospel. This is the message that God gave to the world at just the right time. And folks, 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 this is the message for now. Not the message of religion. Not the message of church. It's the message of the gospel. There are people out there who want to know the truth. There are people who are struggling knowing the truth. And the answer is, Jesus died for you. Jesus loves you. We shouldn't be strapping rules on people. We should be giving them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, there's one quote we're going to end with from C.S. Lewis. I hope if you're here today um, and you've never trusted Jesus, it will affirm your the idea that God loves you. But I hope for every person here today and those on Facebook and those on the radio that, that will really affirm, affirm uh, your position with Christ. Here's what it says. Christ died for you individually just as much as if you'd been the only person in the world. Amen. Now, that is true. Yes. 
That's just not a quote from C.S. Lewis. That's biblical. And I want you to know this today. Number one, Christ died for you individually. You and 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 and the ones down, homeless people down on Main Street and, and the ones in the bars on Friday night. It doesn't matter. Listen, Jesus died for you individually. In fact, just as much as if you've been the only person. I, I know, I know. God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Got that. Know that. But I'm trying to affirm who you are in Christ. That God is so keen on you. God so loves you. God so values you. I mean, when the world is condemning you and the world is saying you're not worthy, there's a God who counts you worthy of his son by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for you individually as if you've been the only one. What great truth is that? So here's what I want to leave you with today. Number one, we have a great high priest. And uh, the sacrifice was him on a Roman cross. He died that day, yielded his spirit up, was buried, resurrected the third day, and then makes this incredible invitation and says, okay, everybody's invited to the party. And if you've never responded to the invitation, I hope today's that day. I'm not inviting you to religion. Can't say it enough. Not inviting you to change, you know, change rules. Okay, become a rule keeper. Not inviting you to that. I'm inviting you to a relationship with a God who loves you enough to send Son Jesus to die. My friend Brent's going to be standing down front here. And the whole purpose of this in part is to give you that opportunity. We want to give you the opportunity to act on what you've heard today. That God loves you. If you're willing to turn from your sin and follow him, he'll forgive your sins and give you eternal life. And then, if you're here today, and you've already done that, yay, that's great. And it is great. Okay, but now, now, leave this building with the thoughts that you've got a great high priest who, who sympathizes with you. But you've got a great high priest who is worthy of sharing. You've got a great high priest to get the message out about a God who loves people enough. And, and you, need to, you, need to, you need to hold fast to your confession. You really need to know what you believe and why you believe it. Okay? And I, and I mean this. It's very important that if, if, if you're a believer, that you get your truth from here. Don't you start making up truth. Don't you say, I think the Bible says. You know what the Bible says. You know? After all, we all know that money's the root of all evil. Is that what it says? The love of money is the root of all evil. And by the way, cleanliness is not next to godliness. It ain't in the book. Amen. It ain't in the book. So, so know the book so you can share truth with those who are around you. Hey, would you bow your heads? Thank you so much for your patience today. Wow, wasn't it great to just hear about Jesus? Just hear about Jesus. Father, I, I thank you for this privilege. And I pray it will soak into our hearts. Thank you, Jesus, for being our great high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses because you're tempted in every way as we are. You just didn't sin. Thank you for that. Father, I pray that we will hold fast to our confession, that you'll make us students of the Bible to know what we believe because there's a culture out there who needs to know the truth. 
and help us to learn and share the truth. And then, Father, for my friends who might be here today and who's never put their faith and trust in Jesus, and they may have confused religion and church and all of that, may today be the day, Jesus, when you draw them to yourself and they become Jesus' followers. So thank you for this time and this time of decision. And Jesus, I pray in your precious name. Amen.